Hallelujah. 30, a little over 31 years ago, me and my family moved here to Lilburn. Uh, Lilburn looked a lot different 31 years ago. When I first moved here, I was two years old. Uh, you can do the math there, uh, 33. 31 years ago, we were here, and Lilburn looked a lot different. I think it was 95% Caucasian at the time. It was 24 years ago, just a little small event took place. The Olympics came to Atlanta, and Atlanta changed quite a bit. And the demographics of Lilburn started changing. And it was about that time that our church was growing. Our church met in what we now call as the chapel. And it was growing. The community was changing. And we knew we needed to build. We had outgrown that space and we needed to build. Well, at the time of the community changing, there was what some people, what people call white flight. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but as the ethnicities and the diversity was coming in, uh, the white community was leaving. And at the time, the church pastor and elders gathered together, sought the Lord, and there was this question, should we move with the white community? Should we build where they're going? Or should we stay? And God put it in the elders and our pastor to stay, to embrace the nations. And now that's why we're here today. That's why this building's here. That's why we have 60 different nations represented in our midst. It's why we have four other ethnic congregations that meet here on Sundays. During this service, we have an Eritrean church that meets and an Ethiopian church. It's why we started a Vietnamese church here that has planted seven other Vietnamese churches in the area. It's why we have a French African church that will meet at one o'clock and why we have a Hispanic church that meets here at one o'clock. Did we decide to do this because it was hip or cool or easy or the latest church growth strategy? No. <laughs> um, in fact, it's actually very difficult. It's not easy to embrace nations. One of our core values up on the sign, yeah, embracing nations. It's actually not very easy. It's not easy to make a bunch of people with the same skin color like the same music. It's definitely not easy to make different people with different uh, music preferences all worship together. It's not easy sharing one building. Uh, our kitchen goes through a lot because there's five different churches using the kitchen. There's scheduling conflicts. It's not easy, but we don't do this because it's easy. Amen. We do this because it's in the very heart of God. It's been in the very heart of God since Genesis. He loved the nations. 
It was in the very heart of Jesus. Jesus came as a Jew, but he was always interacting with the Gentiles and people couldn't understand this. And you'll see it in Revelation. In Revelation, heaven's going to be full of every tribe, every tongue, and language. Amen? Amen. So it is in the very heart of God. And we see this heart of God in Ephesians chapter 2. I invite you to open up your Bibles in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 10. And we saw how we are reconciled to God. We saw how we are dead, disobedient, and doomed. How there's a break between us and God. But Jesus came and he reconciled us to God. So that we don't need to be separated. So here, uh, Ephesians 2 continues Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is reconciled to God, but it doesn't just end there. God doesn't just want to reconcile us to himself, the vertical. He wants that reconciliation to go to the horizontal, that we would be reconciled to one another. This reconciliation to God and then to be reconciled to one another. Now, verses 11 and 12 show the need for reconciliation. The need for reconciliation. How many of you think that there's a need for reconciliation today among different cultures, ethnicities? Now, here in the South, we have a history of racism. Slavery was terrible, and it was bad down here in the South. And then you get it, it still continued in segregation. And then MLK came along and, and those dividing walls were down. But man, you look in the news today and there is still a lot of racism. I mean, uh, it was a few years ago, Black Lives Matter came out. Uh, blacks shot by white police officer, and this voice, this cry for justice came forth with Black Lives Matter. And now more recently, you see the immigration debate and immigrants coming in, and there are people at the border, and you got name calling. And then you have our president, President Trump, who can appear and somewhat, uh, be somewhat racist at times. Now I say that, and immediately you're either thinking, no, he is racist. Yeah. Or you're thinking, somewhat racist. I mean, the guy, he doesn't have, he's not racist. What are you doing calling him that? Right? I mean, the, the news is just full of this. Full of this. Well, you think we have a problem with racism today. The church in Ephesus had a major racist problem. It came between Jews and Gentiles. You see this in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you... 
were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You see, there were Jews and there were Gentiles. And the two did not get along well. You see in this verse that the Jews called the Gentiles uncircumcision. Now that doesn't sound like an insult today. You won't hear that uh, being said of people in the schools or on the playgrounds. But this was an insult at the time. It was teasing. It's uh, what my kids were teaching them that teasing's not good. And my daughter's trying to teach Samuel, uh, my two-year-old, don't tease Samuel. You know, he's, I got ice cream, you don't. This is what's going on. I have circumcision, you are not circumcised. Now, it doesn't sound like a big tease or an insult, but it was, okay? This was saying, we have God and you don't. We have hope and you don't. We are citizens and you don't. You understand this? It was so bad that Jews at the time thought that Gentiles, the only reason why they were created were for the pit of hell. That's really what they believed. They weren't allowed to help Gentiles. When they saw a Gentile who had just skinned his knee, they weren't able to go over and help. When they saw a Gentile giving birth, they weren't able to help. They weren't able to help them, and they weren't even able to receive help. Let's say they were the one on the ground with a skin knee, and a Gentile came over. They'd say, no, 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 don't help me. There was extreme racism going on in the church of Ephesus. And then there's verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus... But now in Christ Jesus, you see, we see the need for reconciliation, and now we're going to see the means of reconciliation. Jesus Christ came to destroy the dividing wall between Jews and Gentiles. Look at these verses. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus. For he himself is our peace. I love that word, peace. It's mentioned four times here in this passage. He himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off. So, so Jesus brought reconciliation. There were these two that hated each other and Jesus came to break it down. He, you see, the Jews were created. You'll read this in Genesis 12, 15, and 17. He established Abraham as a people and the whole purpose was to reach the nations. That was the purpose 
was so that they could be a people to reach the nations, but they failed. And then you see in Exodus, God gives the commandments to the Jewish people, to the people of Israel. And the purpose was to again reach the nations, but they failed. The law was there to reach the nations, but they failed. God sent Jesus Christ and Jesus fulfilled, Jesus as a Jew, Jesus as a Jew fulfilled all the commandments that God had intended Israel to follow. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And Jesus in fulfilling the law broke the, the difference, broke down the dividing wall. And it's why it says in Galatians 3, 23 through 29, it says, Now by faith we came, we are held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. You see, we were underneath the law. But then verse 24 in Galatians 3 says, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under our guardian. For in Christ Jesus, listen to this, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ broke down that dividing wall. I love the dramatic language that is used in this passage. Verse 15 says that he abolished the law. Verse 16 says he's killing hostility. You see, there's people with swords, and Jesus attacks the sword. He doesn't attack the person with the sword. He attacks the sword. This is why Jesus, God hates racism. He hates it. He hates it in all forms. Because Jesus came for the very purpose of abolishing those divisions. Why do we... Build a wall that has been torn down in Jesus' name. We want to be people of reconciliation. So it goes on to say the message of reconciliation, verse 17. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Isn't that awesome? Through Jesus Christ, we have one access by the Spirit of God to the Father. It's a Trinitarian verse. Jesus gives us access through the Holy Spirit to come to the Father. So those walls of division between ethnicities are broken down in Jesus' name. Amen? So then it continues and it shows the result of reconciliation. What happens when Jesus comes in and he breaks down those dividing walls? Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Listen to this of who you are. 
but you are fellow citizens. We're all brothers and sisters together. We're all citizens. We're not aliens. We're citizens. We all have all the rights and privileges of being in God's kingdom with the saints and members of the household of God. You see, we become members in God's household. You see, we go from being so concerned about the politics till we start being family together. Amen? God breaks down those dividing walls. He makes us citizens together. And then it goes on to describe the household that he is building. He's building the household, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God. You see, this household that God is building, it is built on an immovable foundation. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is firm. It's not going to be shaken. This household that God is building is carefully engineered. I love that word that it's being joined together. Have you ever seen those photographs where it's like a bunch of different pictures, but they all make one big picture? I want to show you a few of these in the slides, but they're a bunch of individual pictures all making one picture. This is what God is doing here at Lilburn. This is God's desire for the church. You see, we're all a bunch of individuals, but God wants to join us together for a greater display of his glory. Amen? Amen. We're all different. We all have our different dress, our different cultural background, and it's okay, but we can bring those together and celebrate diversity, and we will look more like Jesus Christ together. Amen? Amen. So God is joining together. It's carefully engineered. It's growing. It says in, in here that, he, that it's going to grow into a holy temple. The Lord wants to grow our church. And finally, it's dwelt by God. Ultimately, we want God's presence here, don't we? God's presence will dwell among us as we tear down dividing walls. As we embrace Jesus and his reconciliation, Jesus not only wants to reconcile us to God, but he wants us to reconcile us to one another. Amen? Amen. I wanted to share a couple stories here to hopefully just make it real. I uh, grew up here, as I said, and throughout elementary and high school, I, I would not call myself a racist. I really didn't see skin color. In elementary, my best friend was an African-American female. Her name was Elizabeth. And uh, throughout high school, I had lots of different friends. Um, just a side note here, last weekend was powerful with Dr. Carl Ellis. He identified something between ontological racism and cultural racism. Ontological racism is this value system that you really do see certain races as superior to other races. 
the majority of us are not ontologically racist. But we all do have some tendencies towards cultural racism. And we can be racially clumsy. In college, my best friend was an African-American. Uh, I didn't go to college with too many minorities, but my best friend was an African-American. I roomed with a Hispanic. Uh, so again, I would not call myself an ontological racist. But as I have gotten older, I have realized I can be racially insensitive. I can be racially uneducated. Um, I'll give an example. I, can't, I, I used to, I've stopped doing this, but you see somebody that looks different than I do, and I say, what country were you from? Uh, that's racially insensitive. Why should I see that person from a different, they could have been born here, right? You see what I'm saying? Or you see somebody in Africa, oh, I really like your outfit. Oh, that's, I, I didn't mean anything harmful by that, but it could be harmful. To them, that's their dress. That's their best. You see what I'm saying? Two real examples that I want to give. I was at seminary, okay? I was at Bible school. And I had a lot to do this one particular day. I had a stack of books. I was walking in. I went to school in Massachusetts. It was really cold outside and uh, just hurrying in. I went in one set of doors, went in another set of doors, and I went in the library. And in the library, it's really quiet, okay? And I'm walking, and I'm about to go down the stairs. All of a sudden, I hear this lady yell, Hey, you! You didn't hold a door open for me. She started getting so angry at me. Why don't you hold? It's because I'm black, isn't it? It's because I'm black. I can't believe you. You're just like all the other ones. And I mean, it was like, whoa, I've never heard anybody yell this loud in a library before. That was shocking. <laughs> but then the, the words that were coming out were shocking. And I just I was kind of rattled. And I went downstairs, and then all of a sudden I started weeping. And I started getting burdened for the woman. And the Lord told me, I, I put down my books, I had a lot to do, I put down my books, and I went across, went back out in the cold, went to the cafeteria, and grabbed a coffee, and I found the girl, and I said, ma'am, I just need to talk to you. And I said, I, I'm sorry said, I, I, I'm sorry for not holding the door open for you. And I want to apologize for any other wounding that has ever happened in your life racially. I don't know what's taken on in the past, but I just want to say I'm sorry. And we prayed together, and she was weeping too. I want to share one other story. This actually happened this past year. And this is a little bit more embarrassing. I was watching a lot of the news and the racism, and you just see a lot of the stuff, and it can kind of bog it down, can't it? I was in Walmart, and I was pushing my shopping cart like this, and I think I had kids with me. But all of a sudden, I see this 
black woman walking in this aisle. And we're getting closer and closer and closer. And honest to God, this is the first time and the only time this has ever happened. But I had this well of pride come up in me. And I kept walking. And I looked at her. And immediately, it was like the worst feeling in my heart. All of a sudden, I started to break. Oh, God, what did I just do? Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. It was awful. It was the worst. I don't ever want to have that again. Now, I don't know where you're at this morning, but I do believe we got a diverse group of people here, amen, and it's awesome. I don't know where you're at in the spectrum. You, you may be ontologically racist, or you could just be insensitive, but I do believe that we could all grow in this. I believe that we can all grow in reconciliation that what Christ did on the cross, that he could be our cornerstone, that he could build, that he could join together a people that is more in heart with the heart of God. And if you've been wounded by racism, I want to believe that God can heal you from racism, from racial wounds that you've, been, that you've received. Because if you've been wounded, you will wound others. You're going to start viewing everybody that way. So I do believe that God wants to call us into something here. Don, if you could come up and lead us in a response. A worship team, if you could come in. But I just want to believe that God wants to lead us right now into reconciliation. That no matter where you're at, if you have been the one pushing the shopping cart, if you have looked down on somebody that was different than you, that you can receive healing. Amen. That you can receive grace. Or if you've been the one that maybe the door wasn't open for you, maybe you've been pu pulled over by a police officer just because of your skin color. I don't know what it is for you. But I believe that God wants to lead us in healing and in reconciliation. You know, Stephen, before we pray, Levon and I moved here in 1987. We went to Lenox Mall and we were, uh, we had shopped and we, we came out of the mall and we passed, uh, three or four white gentlemen who were working, they were doing some painting uh, at Lenox Mall. This one guy threw something and hit Levon. All this anger came up. And I went and confronted the guy. I cursed him. Mm -hmm. I said a bad word. And I was ready to fight the dead guy. I have to be honest with you. And, but the Holy Spirit, right on the spot, 
effectively and begin to say to me, Don, this is not how you should deal with this issue. And I want you, we were gone from those people. But I ask God, Lord, would you help me not to react in that way? I was ready to fight. It really was. But the Lord arrested me by his spirit. I asked the Lord, please forgive me because uh, uh, I just didn't need to respond that way. And I really believe God is saying to all of us, I want to bring the two Amen. together. Yes. I want to bring healing and deliverance, Amen. liberation and freedom. Amen. We have at this church an incredible grace that God has brought together diversity in the presence of diversity his kingdom is very present and he's stretching us and he's building grace muscles to do the work of ministry with each other culturally and in other ways we want you to stand Allow for God the Holy Spirit to break through. To break through. Thank you, Lord. If there's anything, any vestiges of hatred towards another culture, any vestiges of, of hurt and pain and rejection, says I am the one who brings you together no one is worse than the other because of Christ Jesus and I believe God is saying for you to respond for us to respond to his healing presence reconciling us together.